$1 million in your portfolio by 35 years old. Do you think that's possible? I'm talking about investment portfolio, not just your net worth. No matter which stage you're at in your financial journey, I'm sure there are lessons to be learned from my guest today who's on track to achieving $1 million in his portfolio in five years' time. And that includes him having BTO with his partner and having reached his CPF full retirement sum. Meaning to say he's already reached CPF full retirement sum at 30 years old, done. He has a BTO and he pulls out his Excel sheet. He looks at it and says, hmm, yeah, I think I can still hit $1 million in my portfolio by 35 years old. Let's find out how to achieve this goal. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome to another Chill with TSC episode. In this series, we talk to interesting people with relevant experience and insights to help us learn from their perspectives so that we can create the life we love and manage our finances well. My guest today runs a finance YouTube channel which is growing very quickly and he's churning out financial content regularly despite having a full-time job at the same time. He's achieved quite a lot for his age. Check out his YouTube channel, Chris at Honey Money SG. Let's welcome Chris. Does your boss know about your YouTube career? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh-huh, okay. uh, actually, I actually... Open and honest. <laughs> yes, right. So what I did is actually when they do a self-introduction to the team, right? I actually put my hobby as a YouTube. And that was one year ago mm. where, where I was really fairly new. So I think a lot of people were really interested in what YouTube does. In fact, my company even asked me to do like a corporate development training to talk about YouTube as a hobby or as a side hustle, so they knew about it. Okay. I want to get you on the show because you mm. mentioned your goal of getting $1 million in your portfolio yes. by 35 years old. Yes. And you're 30 years old right now. Yes. And in one of the interviews, you were asked, are you on track? Mm-hmm. And you confidently said yes. So I want to find out more about that. Okay. okay. Before we get into how you do it, let's get into why. Why do you have this goal? So I guess this $1 million number is kind of arbitrary by a lot of people, right? Um, because... When we think about wealth, we always want to reach our first $100,000, first $1 million. And I think that number is kind of arbitrary, but let's put the numbers in perspective, right? If we talk about early retirement, we always cannot forget this rule called the safe withdrawal rate, which is the Trinity study 4% withdrawal. And if we look at how much 4% you could withdraw from a $1 million portfolio, that's actually $40,000, right? And that is actually like 333 that's actually $3,330 per month, mm. which I think is kind of comfortable uh, for a person, um, personal expenses, right, for a month. So I, I did this study. Uh, I used a basically, basically simple math, right? I just did the reverse calculation. Okay, 1 million sounds like a good number and 40,000 a year sounds not too bad either. So that's the first $1 million that um, I aim to achieve, right? Okay, so let's let's get it right first. One million US or one million Sing dollars in our portfolio? Okay, so the initial goal is one million dollars US and it's still at this goal. And because one million US is more relatable to an international audience, right? Mm. Um, when we talk about Singapore dollars, definitely we just need to multiply by the exchange rate of 1.35. Um, of course, if if all things goes well 
it will reach $1 million USD by 35. But if all things, but if some things happen along the way, then $1 million in SGD is not too bad either. It's not too bad. Reach yeah. for the, the stars and if you drop a yeah. bit, that's still okay, right? right. So $1 million, well, usually people think in terms of net worth, but you, you are thinking in terms of their mm. portfolio itself, yes. right? And that includes your stocks. Yes. Property? Not yet. Not, not yet. <laughs> okay, so your portfolio, okay, what does it include? Let me know. Okay, so uh, usually in investing portfolio, we talk more about liquid assets like stocks, uh, like crypto, like bonds, or any kind of um, second property that you may have, like investment property. Um, but as you know, in Singapore, it's really expensive to get a second property because of all the taxes and all that stuff, right? So for my investing portfolio, I'm mainly focused on stocks and crypto right now at this stage of life. Okay, okay. Mm. Then I'll just ask on top of that, do you have a net worth goal or is this 1 million in our portfolio the mm. main thing right now? Okay, so I used to have this net worth 1 million goal mm. and then I upgraded it to a 1 million investing portfolio goal. Yeah, technically it's harder. Yeah, right? technically yeah. it's harder. And the reason is because uh, when we're talking about the withdrawal rate, right, we could only withdraw from the liquid assets. Our fixed assets, hard assets like property, if we are staying in it, we could not withdraw anything from it because we are not earning rental from it. There's no cash flow to speak of. So that's the idea behind it. Okay, so I understand the why. Uh, and that's because of the safe withdrawal rate, right? Mm. But let's take it, you know, peel the layer one by mm. one, right? So why do you have this goal in the first place? Like, what, what is it about you that makes mm. you want to achieve this goal? Okay, so there are actually two factors to this goal, right? The dot, the numbers, which is $1 million, and the time, which is age 35. So let's talk about the numbers, uh, which I already mentioned earlier. Uh, it's because of the 4% withdrawal rate where we could get $40,000. Now, the more specific thing is the time. Why 35 years old, right? And why early retirement? I think at the age of 35, you actually have quite a long runway ahead of you. You have a lot of time to actually really do what you want. And a lot of people actually work their whole lives without knowing what they want to do after they have retired. And I think that retirement is it's really a, quite a scary thing for people who are approaching their retirement age. Because for example, my parents, right? They are close to 60 years old this year, but they are not even planning for retirement because they do not know what to do. Because these few days where I, saw, where I see them at home, right, all they do is just read newspapers, listening to the radio, watching TV, which to me is not a very fulfilling retirement life. And a lot of people could actually relate to that because they really do not have a plan. And all their lives, they have just been working nonstop, hoarding money, saving money, without really having a goal of what they want to do. And, and the bigger reason is because they are really quite old at that age. They are, not, they are not going to be adventurous to try all the stuff that they want to do in their younger times, right? Like if you say you, have, you, are really, you are really daring, right? You go and do a parachuting class, do skydiving, uh, travel around the world. At that age, it's really not physically possible for your age because the risk that you're willing to take is much lesser, both physically and mentally. So I think at age 35, that is where I think it's a sweet spot. You're not too old, not too young. Still a lot of time to really try out other stuff that you may want to do other than your day job. Okay. But what mm. drives you towards that goal though? I mean, many of us dream of retirement or mm. even early retirement, as you're saying, because 35 years old is considered early yeah. retirement. But some just dream about it. But you you, you mentioned that you do three YouTube videos a week on top of your full-time job. And later on, we can get into, you know, how you get your first part of goal, so to speak, right? And we work very hard, right? But what made you so motivated? Okay. I think it's all part of my growing up stage, right? Because I'm actually a single child in my family, which means I don't have other siblings. And most of the time when I was growing up, I was actually alone at home. So my parents are all out working, trying to earn more money to actually maintain the family expenses. And I don't get to see them often until they are back at work. 
sometimes they do work overtime. So I sort of grew up in this really alone stage. So that kind of grew on me being an introvert, right? Because I don't have people to speak to, um, don't have much friends to hang out hang out with when I'm younger. So I feel that if I were to give my my future kid a chance, right? I really do want to spend some family bonding time with him and not let him grow up in such an alone stage that he becomes a really quiet and introverted person. Uh, not that an introverted person is bad, but I feel that there can be more development when a parent spends more time with the kid. So I try if for my future kid, if I could spend more time with him and that comes in the means of early retirement and doing what I love, then I feel that this is a goal that I want to achieve. Mm, interesting. You feel like an introvert. Yes. Although technically you're a YouTuber, you're yeah. doing all the talking head yeah. videos. If if I don't know you well enough, people might assume that you are more extroverted, yeah. right? But you, you feel like an introvert. Yeah. So like more introspective and you you know, you're on your own at home thinking about all of these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that we know the why, let's get into, you know, the whole journey. So let's talk about when did you start to have this goal? How much money do you have back then? Mm-hmm. And then where are you at now at 30 years old? Yeah. 30 or 31 this year? 31 this year. Turning 31 this year, yeah. all right? And then how are you on track to... 35 years old, uh, okay. getting $1 million, US dollars in a portfolio. All right, right. Let, let's take us through the whole journey. So if you want to ask me for a specific time where I, where I got started in personal finance and early retirement and stuff, I don't have a specific time because I think all my years in growing up, right, I have been living quite a frugal life. So there isn't a specific age to start with because I grew up in a relatively below middle income family. So I saw money as quite important when I was younger already. And that's why I don't really spend too much when I was younger as well. So there isn't really a specific age. But if you were to ask me where I start, when I started putting more focus, that would be the age of 21 because that's the age where I left national service. So for international folks who are not familiar with national service, you have to serve a two-year mandatory military service with um, Singapore. And once you step out of that, then it's probably time for you to go to university. And before I went to university, I looked at some of my friends, they were actually doing like side hustles. Back then, it was really popular is teaching teaching tuition. And I think I talk about tuition quite a bit in my videos because it's really a fantastic side hustle, right? If we count by the per hour rates, talking like 30 to $40 per hour 10 years ago. So that is when I really started to try to earn more income at the stage, age 21. And because I kept to my low spending, low expenses, so you sort of have this increased income and same level of expenses. That's when you actually start to really accelerate your financial goal. So that started age 21. And moving on uh, throughout my university life, so I continued with this, right? Just teaching more tuition, maintaining same level of expenses, and all that carry on until my first uh, full-time job out of college. So out of college, I guess when you have that first job, um, having a full-time income, it kind of boosts your income even further because you have a full-time, you have a full-time pay, you plus your side hustle, plus your expenses are still at a relatively low level, then that would really accelerate your savings goal. So once you have that savings goal met, then that's when you start to look at investing. What's your savings rate, by the way? Okay, my savings rate, at current age, I think it's around 60%. 60%. Um, yeah. Well, technically, when you were younger, the savings rate might be lower because you're getting yeah. a lower income, right? So was it lower back then or you've been maintaining 60%? I think it was much lower at around 40 to 50% because I wasn't earning much at that time, right? Um, so most of the things really, really just maintain the level of spending. I think that's the first step that everybody who wants to step into personal finance should really look at. 
mm. um, minimizing or maintaining your expenses and not subscribing to lifestyle inflation. Right. So right now it's about savings rate about 60%. So let's backtrack. 21 years old, you mainly derive your income from your tuition. Mm. That's the main thing. Yes, that's the main thing. And how much did you amass? You know, what kind of fortune do you get out of that? Uh, I would say a low five figures throughout okay, okay, my okay. 21, age 21 to my uh, college graduation stage. That's around 20, three years. Okay, 24, years. 25, there yeah. about, right? Okay, yeah. where are you at right now? Where am I right? Mm. Mean, right now, you're 31, turning 31 years yeah. old. Uh, you know, how much, how far away are you from your goal of 1 million in your portfolio? Okay, so What's I'm, in your portfolio? I'm, I'm around one third of the journey done. Okay. So it's actually quite aggressive, right? Because my, my last 10 years have mm. been um, building that 33%, but I'm targeting my next five years to achieve that remaining 67%. Yeah, it is pretty impressive. Let, let me, you know, let me summarize for you guys, right? Those of you listening, uh, you have about five figures yeah. and that is from your tuition yeah. and that's right from 21 to 23, 24 years old. Yeah. And then right now at, 30 years old, turning 31, you have actually about 330,000 thereabouts mm. in mm. your portfolio. Okay, yeah. not just net worth, but your portfolio. Okay, so that's a, a huge jump. Okay, what kind of returns are you looking at? What, what kind of returns do you achieve? So I actually targeted around 12% annual return. Okay. So that's the total return around the stocks and the crypto portfolio. Mm. Yeah, which I think is kind of safe number. I wouldn't say it's a really low number because uh, when we look at, index funds, we are averaging around 7 10%. But because I do have my own individual stocks as well, as well as the crypto, cryptocurrency. So those would ideally you around above 10 to 20%, mm. I believe. Of course, that's all subjected to market It all market depends on the market. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. So we say that the huge part of it from the last few years, at least comes from returns and investments. Okay. Because I, I, I don't know how much tuition you have to give <laughs> to really hit your you know, current portfolio level. Uh, yes. Um, I think I mentioned in one of my videos that I actually quit tuition in 2016. So mm. I've not been doing tuition for yeah. around five to six years now. So I totally cut off the tuition income, focus mainly on um, investing. I think in my initial stage of investing, I focus a lot on Singapore stocks, like a lot of people do because mm. of familiarity. And those are yielding around five to six percent, including dividend returns, right? Because we all aspire those positive cash flow, passive income kind of thing five to six years ago. So I think when the pandemic hit, um, it hit really hard um, in 2020, that there's there's a root shock to a lot of investors that companies can actually stop paying dividends or reduce dividends along with share price decreases. So that kind of awoken, that kind of awoken me a bit to shift to more US-focused stocks, okay? Like your big techs, your fangs. So that kind of shifted my mindset as well that, should not only focus on cash flow companies, we should also focus on growth companies. So that's kind of where the growth is going right now for my portfolio. Well, it seems like there's no secret, man. <laughs> I need a hook for this episode. <laughs> anyway, I'm just, just joking. What I'm trying to say is, well, there's no inheritance money, you know, you know sudden no. you know, windfall from you know, buying Toto or something, <laughs> right? At the time of recording, we're going to get the, the rebound power, the like, lucky draws, the, the Toto and all that. Yeah. I don't buy also, so I'm not familiar. But the whole idea is that what you just described is just you know, high savings rate and then you know, invest in the market. Mm. And, and that's how you got, got to about $330,000 in your portfolio right now. Yes. Okay, let me ask it this way. Do you have a home run in the past couple of years? Like what contributed the most? An investment that, that really paid off well? Crypto, what is it? Okay, unlike other people who are going to tell you they hit a home run, I have absolutely zero home run. Mm. Okay. All it really did was just steady compounding returns. I don't really 
think I have any stock that had made like serious multi-baggers, like 10x stocks, right? I have none of that. Okay, maybe like 1 to 2x, that's normal. <laughs> but zero, 0, like 5 to 6x, those kind of stocks, right? It's more of the compounding. A lot of people, they actually think that you can make it with just a few stocks and the 10x returns. But realistically speaking, a lot of people would not have that. Because when we're talking about investing mindset, some people would just sell at 2x returns and some people would not hold for it. And a lot of people actually would fear when there is actually a sudden market dip, as we could see in the last two months, right? Since 2022. So holding power is one of the most important thing for an investor in terms of mindset. So I think if you really do not know what to do, sometimes doing nothing is better than trying to go in and out of your portfolio trades. So slow and steady got you to where you're at right now. And let's see if you can get you to your goal by 35 years old. So you're one third of the way there. You're about five years away. Mm. And I mentioned that in your interview, you confidently said, yes, you're on track. Okay, what numbers are you looking at? What are the models that you use? What are the assumptions? Right. So like I mentioned, the annual rate of return is around 12% Mm. on the investment portfolio which means I will continue to pump some of my income and my savings to that portfolio periodically through dollar cost average, right? So whether it's in index funds, whether it is in individual stocks, I'll continue to do what has been working. And sometimes we do have mistakes as well, right? Because sometimes we pick the wrong stocks. Sometimes our conviction level waver because of market conditions. So that's when you also need to know in your investment thesis, what are the things that do not work? And maybe what are the lessons that you could learn from there? then not make it again. Then reinforce those that work, right? I think that's a very important lesson. Um, I think one of the important lessons that I've learned in my investing journey is that I think when I started out, I wanted to have a diversified portfolio, right? So we are talking about 10 to 20 over stocks because it diversifies the risk. And I felt that when you diversify this risk, you are actually exposing yourself to read up more about this stock news, um, stock, uh, movements and it's actually kind of mentally tiring rather than if you spend all your time just dedicated just dedicating to three to five stocks maybe then just build your conviction around them then I think it's a much better way to actually go and look at where you're investing at because if you're holding too many stocks then I feel that it's better to just go into index fund investing because there are people doing it for you already and you don't have to go and pick them yourself so that's just some lessons that I've learned along the way. Okay, so what's your style of investing? So I mentioned in one of my videos, interviews that I have a core and satellite portfolio. So those in my core portfolio is maybe like five to six stocks. Yeah. And those portfolios that I will buy and never sell because I have so much conviction in them. So those are the things that you really read up a lot on, on the news, um, on their financial results and their CEO. So those things that you should always hold and if it comes down at a discount, then maybe it's some time to add to your positions and all that. Then satellite is more of maybe some stocks that you think can make it 10x returns in the next few years or next 10 years. Those are more new companies, I would say, because they have not proven themselves yet. So maybe you want to give them a chance and maybe for them and their CEOs to see whether these stocks can perform over the long run. So that's a call in the satellite okay. separation. Okay to share the percentage? Yeah, so... I think the core portfolio right now is around 60 to 70%. Mm. And then the satellite portfolio is around um, 30 to 40%. Drop kind of 
significantly after 2022, right? We all know what happened. Mm. Yeah, so that's kind of the allocation. Yeah, so, so that's the thing, right? We don't know about the market. You yeah. don't know what will happen, right? So you look at the Excel sheet, you pull down the Excel at 12%. Okay, you should hit your goal by mm. 35 years old. But what contingencies do you have in place? Yeah, so like I mentioned, right? In my 1 million USD goal, if I do not hit 1 million USD investing, at least I could say I hit 1 million SGD, right? So if I still do not hit 1 million SGD, then I think- It's still not too bad. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> right? I, I mean, you're young and yeah. you, know, you have a long runway. Correct, correct. So if I don't hit 1 million SGD investing portfolio, then there's a net worth 1 million. So this three, if I still cannot hit, then I think there must be some lessons that I really wish to learn. And okay, let's take things into perspective, right? In the grand scheme of things, maybe you need to work like one or two more years to actually achieve that 1 million investing portfolio. In the grand scheme of things, one to two years is actually a very short time. So as long as you know what you're doing and you learn from your mistakes, then I think it's commendable goal already if you still achieve it in the end. Okay. Okay. I mean, who knows? You might need a couple more years, which yeah. is still not too bad. And who knows? You might you know, cut it short by two years <laughs> if the market turns out well, right? Yeah. So what, what plans do you have for 2022 in terms of an investment portfolio to help you achieve your goal? Okay. Actually, not too much on my investment portfolio because... I really want to keep it passive, like dollar cost average and stuff. Okay. Um, area of focus, I really want to put in more time and effort into YouTube, which mm. is considered my business side hustle right now. Um, because over the years, we have seen how much YouTube has grown, right? In terms of audience numbers, in terms of advertising and all that stuff. And I think it's becoming a more of a content creator culture where people are more moving towards more self-employed kind of hustles, side hustles, we call it. So 2022, main focus, YouTube build up my subscriber base, build up my view counts, more partners and brand deals with sponsors. So that's just something I want to work towards because I think that growth is even larger than the investing portfolio. So I feel that for people who are not so savvy in investing, maybe just go and pick a side hustle, do something that you really love and can earn you some money then go and capitalize on it. I think that's more important. Okay, so people in our community will be familiar with FIRE, yeah. financial independence, retire early. And well, for Chris' case, it's not so much of he wants to slack, you know, <laughs> and drink wine on the beach yeah. after you're hitting your goal, right, at 35 yeah. years old. So you'll be doing your, well, your version of barista fire, mm. which barista fire will mean that you can retire, but you still have a, a job that sort of pays you, yeah. even though it might not be uh, high income, right? Yes. But in your case, it's a YouTuber income. That's your grand plan. Correct. correct. Okay. So, uh, apart from that, anything else that you want to do after you hit your goal? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, so I think... The barista fire for those who are unfamiliar, maybe you want to take on a less strenuous job. And for me, my job is actually not less strenuous. In fact, you <laughs> right. put in even more hours into YouTube than your day job. But because it's really fulfilling and it's fun and it's something that you do not mind doing for the long term. And it generates quite a good income as well if you do it good enough. So that is a YouTuber creator fire for me. So let's say if I quit my day job, I will actually go all in on YouTube. So building my YouTube income is really important at that level. And let's talk about what to do after I fired, right? So fire, like Andrew mentioned, is not about 
being a bummer, just sitting at home all day, right? Reading newspaper, watch TV. Like I mentioned, I want to be a digital nomad, okay? Digital nomad. So what digital nomad does is it can work anywhere in this world as long as there's internet connection. And I think YouTube actually supports this because you can make videos anywhere as long as your content is relevant to the target audience that you are searching for, right? So I think digital nomad is somewhere that I want to work towards and maybe living in different countries for longer periods of time other than being a tourist, right? Just to just to do some things that people would not want to do when they are having a day job. Right, so who knows, Honey Money might become a YouTube, travel YouTube channel <laughs> one day, possibly. Possible. Possibly. Okay, yeah. so you mentioned that you, you haven't invested in property mm-hmm. and you won't count it as part of your portfolio, right? Yes. Not, not part of the $1 million goal. Okay, so, well, you know, property is a huge outlay of your capital, right? Yes. If you put that in, will it you know, set you back yes. in terms of your goal? Is that why you didn't include it? Like what's your plans for property? Right. Okay, so I believe everyone who is into personal finance will have this really large Excel file forecasting by this year how much they should plan and have in their net worth and how much budget should they set aside for their big expenses items like your wedding, your house, your renovation and all that stuff, right? So all these have already been put in in my Excel file. So I do, I do have a budget set aside for it especially for housing, because housing in Singapore is really expensive, right? We're talking about just a two-bedroom apartment costing like 300k, 400k SGD if it's in the mature estate. Mm-hmm. So for myself, I really got myself, a, I mean, me and my partner have got a BTO flat built to order. So government housing, much more affordable, right? Just waiting for it to complete. So funds have been set aside for that. Um, in terms of renovation. And we also could pay for our public housing using CPF funds, right? So that also has allocation to that. So I'm not at all worried about whether this will actually hinder that plan. In fact, when I did the 1 million plan, I have already factored all this in before I could see the 1 million numbers by 35. Okay, so and you have BT already? Yes. Oh, okay. Congrats. Congrats. Yes. Uh, roughly when, you know, it takes longer now, but <laughs> what, what timeline are we looking at? Probably the end of next year, fourth oh, quarter. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. And, and because you already factored in right from the start, it's mm. actually not a hindrance to your goal as, at all. No, in fact, it's part of the goal. It's part yeah. of the goal, right. Yeah. So that's really a, a good way of planning mm. and talking about, well, let's not call it hindrance, obstacle to the goal, right? You also yeah. hit your full retirement sum in your CPF, mm. right? That is not part of your $1 million portfolio, no, that's right? Not, that's not. So that's, that's an additional thing. Okay, tell us about it. You hit your full retirement sum. How? Okay, so for those who don't really know what the full retirement sum is, we have this pension fund in Singapore whereby we need to contribute it via our employment income. And sometimes if we do it voluntarily, we could get some tax rebates, tax deduction, all that stuff. So I started contributing to my CPF at age 25. Now, why I started doing that at that time was, it's purely a very simple reason just to reduce some of my taxes, right? Because a lot of people are looking at how to reduce their taxes, but not many of them would think about it at age 25. And why did I do it is because I, I sort of plan out my road from 25 to 30. How much do I need from my, for my CPF as well as my housing? At that time, no $1 million by 35 years. So it's really just part of my feature as well. How much do I want to have in my CPF? Because I think before all this 1M65 stuff came about, right? It's really about how to really increase your CPF savings so that you don't have to rely on government handouts when you are retired, right? So it's all about building your own retirement funds to a really solid state first. And I felt that if you're built, if I could build my CPF funds first, I could have a financial safety net so that I could focus on more of my new ventures, right? Like investing, like doing YouTube. 
and all that stuff. So hitting full retirement sum, I think I didn't expect myself to hit at 30 actually um, because in my initial plan at age 25, I, I plan to hit it at age 35 actually. Mm. So five years ahead of that. So I think somewhere, somewhere, sometime things happen and it accelerated along the way. Oh, it can't be that accidental, right? I mean, yeah. you, you have to actively contribute into yes. it. So you allocate a huge sum of your income Indeed. towards Indeed. it. Okay, and then plus, of course, the CPF interest itself. Yes. But that's still, I mean, it's, it's like a side quest <laughs> to is. your main quest, right? Okay, yes. so you started putting to CPF before you had your $1 million yes. portfolio goal. But even after you had the portfolio goal, like, don't you see it as, uh, you know, deviating from that goal? Mm. Because that, there's liquidity issues yes, when yes. it comes to CPF, right? Yeah, so on this point, a lot of people has feedback to me on my CPF videos. So mm. you actually see two sides of the camera, people who really believe in CPF right. and people who don't believe in CPF and come on to your content and tell you how bad is it? What do they say? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so examples. Yeah, what was their, what's their criticism of this plan? Yeah. Oh yeah, so people will criticize that if you put so much money into CPF, it's actually an opportunity cost because it only grows at 4% in your special account. While if you do like index funds investing, you get like 8 to 10% relatively safe as well. So that is the criticism behind it, right? Because mm. I, I don't disagree with that. That is actually correct, um, mathematically correct. But let's take a look at some of these people who may not be so savvy at investing. Now, if you invested at the start of year 2022, you will see your index funds plummet, right? 10 to 20%. If you don't even have a CPF to actually back up your, your financial security or your financial safety net, right? Then you will not touch investing ever again because it is so scary for you to see like 10 to 20% drop over a period of one to two months. So I think it's more about building that investor mindset that I talk about. Now, I recognize that there are people who really made it big in stocks investing and index funds investing. And these people could actually generate more than 10% a year on top of not contributing to CPF, right? So they could use even more cash to generate even more returns. Now, I recognize this group of people. They are really remarkable and I applaud them for doing what they have done well. But I think we must recognize that in the stock market investing, not everybody will make money. And I want to help these people who just want to have less risk exposed to stock market and maybe show them that CPF, even with CPF contributions and top up and all that stuff, you could also achieve the same level of goal. Okay, so that's where I'm coming from. I'm doing it first, then I'm telling it. It's not like I'm telling and showing it, then I go and do it. Mm. So I think that's more important, showing by example. Okay, what's the full retirement sum right now? It's about 192,000 Singapore dollars. Okay, so 192 in his CPF, you know, 300K in his portfolio. <laughs> Ladies, is <he's> taken. <laughs> I mean, yeah. talking about your partner, right? Yeah. Like, is she uh, aligned with your goals? Because you mentioned 35 years old and travel mm. around the world. Like, you know, well, she has to travel with you, right? Yes. I assume. So, yes. like, is she aligned with that goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's actually quite a frugal person, right? Um, I mean, when we're looking for a partner, we really want to find those who have similar or aligned mindset with you. Um, no point you are the one earning really good income, having really high saving rates and good investments. And then your partner is the one splurging all your money, right? Because when you manage finances as a family, it needs to be as a team. It's a team effort. No point one guy really save here and the other the other person really spend so much money. It's, it's just a net zero outcome. So I felt that um, I saw this value with my partner. She's really a frugal person. And that's why I, I chose her, right? Because I've been been with her for around six six to seven years. So you can really see that um, having a really frugal partner or aligned mindset partner is more important than whatever you do with the stock market, mm. whatever income you earn, right? Because we really want to find someone with aligned mindset so that 
when you decided to get married in future, not only you don't quarrel about money, but you also have happier relationship. So, yeah. Finance tip number one, find the right partner. Yeah. Okay, let me expand it a, a bit more. I mean, apart from your partner, how does your family react to this goal mm. when you first told them about it? Oh, I didn't tell them, tell oh, them about okay. it, actually. So my family don't even know I'm doing YouTube right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so... Regarding this, right, because my family is a Chinese-speaking family, so most likely the YouTube algorithm doesn't recommend my videos to them. But I felt that if one day my family can actually see my videos on their YouTube feed. Oh, you've made it. Yeah. Right. It means that the YouTube algorithm has blessed me. <laughs> the Chinese it's, trend, it's a trending video yeah. or something, right? Yeah, it has yeah. to be. Kind of. Right. Okay. So like, how do you, because well, Asian family, mm. if you tell them, you know, you want to retire at 35, oh, <laughs> you know, or you must be lazy, you know, I mean, do you face that? Like, how do you overcome that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is a really interesting perspective, right? So I always subscribe to the mindset that when you want to achieve something, you don't need to go, go around and tell people that you want to achieve it. In fact, I never told people of my 1 million by 35 goal until recently in 2021 when I started doing YouTube. So all these past few years, I've never told anyone about it. Mm. I, just, I just sort of slowly build up my strategy and my my funds and all that stuff. So when you when you are start when you're starting to do anything, a lot of people would doubt you because I think a lot of people in this world, if they could not achieve it themselves, they would doubt that anyone could achieve it because it's more it's humans always have this selfish mindset, right? If I cannot do it. Anyone could not do it. And if they could do it, they must have some sort of privilege. So before you start on any goal or any journey about, about reaching really high targets, right? I think most importantly, um, before you tell anyone, just do it silently first. If it works out, that's good for you. If it doesn't work out, at least nobody really knows about it, right? <laughs> so you don't have to be really shy about it. So that was my journey. And I know people may not subscribe to the same journey, definitely. But that was how I, how I did it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you okay. for having me. Thank you for listening all the way here. Stay after this outro because usually we have some bonus content right at the end. It's like the end credit scene of a movie. But before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. If you like more of this content, join our Telegram group, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter. For all this and more, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. My name is Andrew. Stay tuned for the next episode of Chill with the Financial Coconuts. What is one of your core life principles? Right. So one of my core life principles is actually to actually protect your downside first before you actually look at the upside. Now, downside, we are talking more about a defense mechanism. So talking about downsides, it could be things that may set you back, right? So before you start investing, I always advocate that you go and sort out four things first. That means... Um, minimizing your expenses, paying off high interest debts, and also um, buying a sufficient insurance and also having a six months emergency funds. So that's kind of a defensive strategy to protect your downside. Because if you actually go, go and aim for the upside first, right? It will actually, when crisis comes, it will actually set you really back and you don't have this kind of defense mechanisms to actually protect yourself. And you will feel so devastated, like I mentioned, that you won't even go and touch investing again because it's so scary for you. Um, so it's always about protecting the downside first and the upside will take care of itself. Same like stocks investing, right? Once you go and secure those core positions, then you go and look at your satellite positions because satellite kind of have more high risk. And that is actually the reason that I always advocate protect your downside first, then the upside will take care of itself.
you're a finance YouTuber, what is one piece of financial advice that comes to your mind that you think should be shared more often? Right, so I strongly advocate everyone do not compare yourself to others. Okay, this may not be financial advice, but it's kind of applicable to every, everything in life. Now you see a lot of people living in social media, having really flashy cars, flashy properties, high stocks and crypto portfolio gains, right? But a lot of people who would never talk about their setbacks and failures and those things that may set them back in life. And I think it's more important that you yourself improve over time as an individual. Look at where you were a few years back. Would you even have imagined that you yourself has reached this stage currently? Because if you look back and told your older self that you have achieved this, maybe your older self will be so applauded by what you have achieved. So do not compare yourself with others. Just have your own KPIs. And if you have met it, then just pat on the back for you. I think that's a good encouragement for everyone as well. What is one area of your life that you're giving additional focus right now? Yeah, so one of it is actually um, looking more into my family finances because in a traditional Chinese Asian family, right, we don't really like to talk about money among our families. But I think it's really important as a content creator while we spread um, financial knowledge and all that stuff to a wider audience on the internet. Sometimes the people who need the most attention and most help are actually those family and friends around you. Like my mom, right? I actually didn't know that she didn't have an insurance, uh, integrated shield plan or hospitalization medical plan insurance. So I just signed up for her last year recently. So for all content creators out there, maybe just take a look at who really needs help around you. Sometimes they may be really too shy or too afraid to actually speak up to you to tell them about their circumstances. But that's okay, right? Because I think as long as you really care for them and take responsibility for um, for what what they are doing, then I think all good, right? Right. I mean, personal finance is not just about your mm. own finance, right? It's about those in your orbit, meaning your family yeah. and those close to you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.